0: The Vestibular Special Interest Group of the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy, a component of APTI, is bringing you this podcast. This is for informational and educational purposes only. It does not constitute and should not be used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, rehabilitation, or treatment. Patients and other members of the general public should always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare professional regarding personal health and medical conditions. The Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy and its collaborators disclaim any liability to any party for any loss or damage by errors or omissions in this publication. The views or opinions expressed are those of the individual creators and do not necessarily represent the position of the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy.
1: Welcome to the APTA's Neurology Section Vestibular Special Interest Group Podcast Discussion on Advocacy and or for Vestibular Rehabilitation. I am your host, Pooja Agarwal, a physical therapist by training for about 30 years now in a clinical setting, and um we have a very special guest today whose name is Jacob McPherson and we're very excited that he agreed to speak on the topic of advocacy for vestibular rehabilitation. Welcome Jacob.
2: Thank you Pooja for having me. I'm really excited about this.
1: Thank you again. Uh, Jacob McPherson is a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Rehabilitation Science at the University of Buffalo and a member of the uh, University of Buffalo Concussion Management and Research Center team. He holds a board certification in neurologic physical therapy through the American Board of Physical Therapy Specialties. His research focuses on the effects of sports and non-sport-related concussion on vestibular function, as well as the interdisciplinary clinical management of concussion. He has also performed basic science research related to neurotropic factors involved in mild TBI. Dr. McPherson has served for six years as chairperson of APTA New York's Public Policy Committee where he focused on advocacy and payment initiatives and activities on behalf of the chapter. For the past two years, he has served as co-chairperson of the Vestibular Rehab SIGS Advocacy and Payment Committee. He continues to be active in clinical practice and co-owns a small group of outpatient neuro-rehab private practices in western New York. Welcome again, Dr. McPherson, and we're very, very lucky and happy to have you on board.
2: Uh, Thank you for that that lovely interview. Again, I'm really glad to be here.
1: Thank you for being here. And we're going to jump into some questions, (laughs) which we eagerly await your um, response and feedback on. And I'd like to start with... um, what avenues that physical therapist you think can look into for advocating for vestibular rehabilitation, and maybe we can break it down into local, state, and national levels?
2: yeah, sure, I think those approaches are going to be a little different depending on on what that scope of, of focus is looking like so um, I think at the national level i'm sorry at the local level encouraging uh, local PT colleagues to pursue vestibular training is a great place to start. Most of us didn't get a great deal of vestibular training in our entry-level educations, at least not enough to feel really strong. I think in managing this population, you know, dizziness and, and balance impairment are so rampant in our society, especially as our, our general population is aging. There's plenty of patients in need of services um, that uh, the, the resources required. Um, for more advanced training really will not go to a waste if you're a therapist who's thinking about pursuing additional training here. Um, Beyond that, I think networking with local PT organizations, you know, most districts, I'm sorry, most chapters have smaller um, groups, you know, district level type functions. Um, You know, a lot of therapists can put on CEU programming or offer to do uh, a topic on, on vestibular rehab or at least suggest it as a topic for these more local groups. I think right. tapping into local senior centers uh, locally is, is a great option. You know, our seniors, they love to learn about how aging is impacting their bodies and what they might be able to do to combat this process. Um, locally, we're working with uh, an HMO um on developing some regular programming for Medicare Advantage uh, plan beneficiaries. And I think education about vestibular rehab would be perfect for this audience. Uh, the reality is, I mean, folks are are dealing with these issues all the time, but many don't know that help is available. It's not until they bring this up where, you know, they're at a dinner party and and five other people at the table say, wow, yeah, I was dizzy also before. Um, so it's just not something I think that, that people are really vocal about. You know, I think Absolutely. we can be... Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. I think you're right. And when you mentioned about local level and schools and the curriculum, um, I remember when I was in school, I don't think we learned anything about vestibular rehabilitation. Um, And now we have new grads coming out, which have some sort of basic knowledge. But do you think it needs to be more robust in terms of what it covers at the um, entry level?
2: I think that would be great. I'm also sensitive to the demands of these programs. um there's there's just so much material that needs to be taught and that our students need to be uh, competent in in order to to make it through those entry level programs. I, I still think vestibular rehab is seen as a more specialty area where individuals who who really do plan to go this route need that additional training, kind of knowing that um, those entry level programs, they're They're getting individuals comfortable with some of the the concepts and certainly the anatomy and physiology, but there's just so many conditions, and I, I think we've come so far in the type of rehab we're able to offer for these conditions it's It's at a point where I'm not sure that the entry level programs can really do vestibular rehab justice with the the time limitations.
1: I think I agree with that. That is true. There is a lot that goes along with in terms of formal training to even have a basic understanding of vestibular rehabilitation. You also bring up an interesting point when you say usually at events or um, dinner or lunch events when people are talking, they'll start saying something about vertigo and dizziness and falls. Do you also feel that um, opposite to the geriatric population, when we look at some of the younger or pediatric population or as in your experience probably concussed patients, there is a large role for vestibular rehabilitation there as well.
2: Absolutely. You know, I, I think um, these these issues are underappreciated even by some of our, our physician colleagues. You know, I've, I've worked with different medically-led work groups who really greatly appreciated rehab feedback or, or the PT perspective related to the management of, of vestibular issues. You know, the reality is some of these other providers are, are trained to identify these problems, but not not to treat them. So finding opportunities to show these different groups kind of how the sausage is made behind vestibular rehab and, and how we really go about things and, and how this system really is malleable and how we're able to impact change is a great way to demonstrate the, the sophistication. I think the decision making that goes into really high quality vestibular rehab, especially in some of those sort of underappreciated um, populations, younger individuals, you know, uh, children for sure. Um, and even even um, younger adults, you know, who are, are dealing with conditions, you know, they may not be the most likely to have BPBV necessarily, but vestibular migraine, for example, or, or 3PD are, are kind of rampant in the, that age group.
1: That's very well said, and I agree with you. Um, but I move on to the next question, which I wanted to ask in terms of urgent care centers. We're beginning to see people with dizziness now sort of going to urgent care centers instead of going to the ED. Um, what are your thoughts about empowering urgent care centers to refer patients directly for vestibular rehabilitation if BPPV can be ruled in?
2: I think this is a huge opportunity for us. And, and interestingly enough, one of our offices um, is, is actually next door to an urgent. care. This is something that we've actually um pursued in the past. So, you know, I, I would suggest that physical therapy or physical therapists with vestibular training be to number in addition to maybe provide early and, and management to help individuals cope with symptoms and really to regain control of their lives. You know, as everyone listening knows, dizziness and vertigo and, and balance impairments, they're extremely unsettling for patients. So connecting them with services as soon as possible should be a huge priority. You know, compared to staying at home with their approach that, that unfortunately leaves too uh too great of an opportunity for people to fall through the cracks or, or miss out on optimal treatments, um and even letting some conditions become worse or last longer when they could have been managed efficiently through um, vestibular rehab, which which really is pretty inexpensive in, in comparison to other services to manage uh, these symptoms.
1: Absolutely. So, as
2: far as, yeah. So do do about this or, or steps? You know, I think we need to learn what the workers are. And this is something that we spent some time considering when we were working to create some of these relationships. Now, for one, I'm not sure urgent care centers really know that we exist. You know, when, when we think about, um, Vestibular rehab to to address some of these conditions. You know, do they actually know what we can do? And I think in many circumstances that, that answer is, is likely not. Another uh, thought is they're concerned about referring um, out to a service, for example, physical therapy or vestibular rehab. You know, are they worried that if they write the script for PT it implies that they intend to be engaged in, in subsequent follow-up care, which, you know, that's not really the way that, that most urgent cares work. So, you know, I think we need to position ourselves to be a solution to the potential issues um, offered by some medical training or just for them, um, you know, sort of help identify or, or better identify certain conditions and then can PC connect with their primary care physician after evaluating the patient to help with that sort of transition of the medical management piece take it off the urgent care center's plate and help with with getting the primary care physician more involved
1: Definitely and since you mentioned your your clinic is close to an urgent care what seems to be the biggest limitation in advocating for vestibular services and what are your thoughts or, or some tools on overcoming that, even even if we talk about urgent care, primary care, geriatrics, pediatrics, et cetera?
2: Yeah, I think across the board, when we're talking about advocacy for, for vestibular services and, and overcoming things, um, no, I think vestibular rehab providers, maybe I'm biased here, but in, I think that some of the most passionate and persistent providers who are out there, and I think those same qualities are what draw us to this practice area, which can be complex and sometimes with varying shades of gray as you're working through the process and, and constantly investigating presentations. Um, I think sometimes we just don't necessarily know how to advocate or, or maybe we have lots of ideas, but, but can't really figure out where to start. You know, people, people are busy and I think people are busier now more than ever ever. So without a real clear sense on how to move forward with an initiative, it, it can quickly become um, intimidating. So, you know, kind of where where can you start from there? I think the easiest place to start is, is probably with our patients, right? They can be they can be our biggest amplifiers. Um, in our, our clinic, we we have we say that patients talk, which is a pretty simple line, but really, the patients they want to tell people about the great experiences they have, and not just with PT or, or rehab. It's it's kind of like when somebody asks you about a meal at a restaurant that, that somebody is looking to try. You know, we, we love to talk about how perfect that meal was or, you know, in Buffalo, how great those chicken wings were at this new place. Right. So when, when people get, yeah, when they get good, high-quality educational resources, like some of the things that are available from the, the Vestibular Rehab SIG or VITA, I think they're pretty likely to spread the word kind of on our behalf to friends and family um, and even the referring providers, which can be educational for for them as well. I think connecting with with colleagues there locally or at the state level. You know what are what are some common targets? Um, can you can you find some things? And and each person maybe take on a little bit. This this sort of grassroots activity uh, is how bigger movements begin. I think we just need to connect and share and, and engage and talk about these things. So that's another reason why I'm so thrilled to be able to have this conversation.
1: Yes, and I think this will be very helpful because, like you said, the limitations are there, but the patients can be our biggest mouthpiece. And if they can spread the word, which they do because they're so happy that they're getting some relief, um, they definitely do go and talk about it to other people who they may know have similar issues. Um We do have VEDA as a great resource, and we um, definitely tell our patients to go into it, to read, to uh, post comments, or to look for resources. Do you think it's an underutilized resource? And by VEDA, I mean the Vestibular Disorder Association. Um, Is it underutilized? And um, how can we make or tap this resource to the fullest?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's likely underutilized. I, I think um, patients who are dealing with with vestibular impairment or or symptoms of of dizziness, vertigo, or or imbalance, you know, they're often not sure where to turn. I think people can become easily overloaded with information when they they don't know exactly how to to trust or to vet some of the information that's out there. Um, I think Vita does a great job of of providing resources that are, are intuitive, they're, they're simple enough that most individuals can, can understand them with the terminology that's used. You know, an easy recommendation, I think, is to just put the resources in your clinic, hang them up, give the handouts that are available on the website to patients, refer them to the website. Um, you know, I think once people are, are armed with this information, it becomes something that they can share more easily. Uh, even, even local medical providers, you know, if you have some referring sources, referring providers that you work with or organizations you're engaged with, you can share the, the VITA provider registry with them. You know, they may be looking for additional referral resources for um, uh, community providers of, of vestibular rehab. De- depending on your relationships with some of the, the payers in your region, you may even be able to, to share this with some of the HMOs. You know, many of them have some kind of pro- provider relations arm or there's a person there that you can connect with. They may be looking to get more vestibular rehab therapists within their network. And I think between VITA and the vestibular rehab SIG provider uh, locator um, or, or registries, this would be a, a great resource. We're, we're providing an extremely cost-effective intervention for patients with, with these conditions. You now the payers, they should really want us engaged with as many of their patients as possible compared to what, what is going on in, in some um, specialty services in, in certain regions and, and the, the cost associated with those.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think that idea about trying to connect with managed um HMOs is excellent because there definitely are insurances that are trying to increase their coverage of services, and they probably don't know much about the existence of vestibular rehabilitation. So that is a great idea. Thank you for that. Um, Moving on to telemedicine, what opportunities do you see for telemedicine consults for vestibular therapy? To increase more awareness and also sort of bring it into their homes so the patients who sometimes do worry about stepping out for vertigo actually can get some relief. Um, in your opinion, I know it has limitations and who gets help uh, with telemedicine when it comes to vestibular, but what do you, what are your thoughts on promoting that in terms of advocating for the therapy?
2: Yeah, I think when it's done right, this is just a, a fantastic tool and, and a great opportunity for for our profession, and not just related to vestibular rehab, um, but but using telemedicine as a service delivery model can be a game changer for for rehab in general. You know, I think specific to, to vestibular rehab, if if we can connect with medical providers who are in rural areas, so. You know, even most more suburban or, or city type areas have some areas that are more rural kind of on the outskirts. You know, Google who some of the, the, the primary care physicians are, what organizations are, are providing primary care services in those areas, and let them know that maybe maybe you live three hours away, but you're available as a provider to serve as a referral source for patients who need vestibular rehab and, and can't find it in some of these, these um more uh, medical service challenged regions. You know, I think there are some things that you need to kind of be careful about. I, I, I would encourage providers to check with their their state chapters to stay up to date on um, the, the statutory and, and regulatory considerations for telehealth. I think since the pandemic, we've seen a lot of, of um, the fine print around this kind of in a state of flux. I think the same goes for payers, some initially tied payment for telehealth uh, PT services to some of the emergency declaration periods. But then we've also seen some who have fully adopted some of those temporary uh, coverage policies. So I think um, doing a little homework on the back end would be would be useful.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. And I'm sure there are uh, multiple efforts that are going on, not just through providers who are listed under VITA and elsewhere, but also at the APT level itself, Uh, what are the current efforts uh, that you're aware of that are being pursued at the APT level towards advocating for this vestibular rehabilitation?
2: Yeah, so I think APTA has a, they have a tough job. So they're they're very heavily engaged in advocacy towards CMS and, and other federal programs. You know, this this work includes ensuring adequate access to to PT services, whether in person or otherwise, um, as well as adequate payment for those services. You know, it feels like all the time we're we're fending off these Medicare cuts and and everything that I'm, I'm sure people have, have seen um, numerous updates and emails and things about. But beyond beyond sort of that Medicare CMS advocacy, you know, other projects that I've I've collaborated with um, with APTA during my work with the New York chapter. Uh, was related to prior authorization policies. So some of these payers were adopting programs that were, were severely and most of the time arbitrarily limiting access to PT services, which patients were actually entitled to based on their plans. You, know, you probably have heard of patients who have 20 or 30 or 50 PT visits per year or something like that, um, but some of the, the payers were actually contracting with these third-party companies To manage that benefit where you you had to obtain prior authorization and then after a given number of visits, you had to sort of re-request or or apply to have um, the patient be able to continue pursuing services, even though all the while the number of of visits was well within what their plan actually um, included within it. So we saw a win with this at the federal level earlier this year when uh, the final rule for Medicare services in 2024, uh, was, was published. So this now includes provisions related to prior authorization and, uh, preventing some of these unnecessary interruptions in care. I know locally in, in my region, we saw Aetna move away from a pretty aggressive prior authorization program in, in our region. Um, you know, the reality is none of these are necessarily specific to, to vestibular rehab. Um, but access and access to and payment for PT services in general is really access and payment for vestibular rehab. So I do think it's kind of all connected.
1: It's very interesting you mentioned insurances and how they can delay on the delivery of care. And I've also experienced some of these insurances who will Not cover a specific CPT code, which you might be planning to use if you're treating somebody with vestibular rehab. So you're absolutely right. I think we need to start also advocating, um, at the insurances level and treating that, uh, teaching them a little bit more about this. Also, sometimes, um, have you experienced that they are not sure what vestibular rehabilitation is, but they will go ahead and approve physical therapy?
2: Yeah, you know I I think that um there are certainly some knowledge gaps there. You know, for example, I know we we've had individuals um, who are are diagnosed with concussion and um you submit the required paperwork as part of the prior authorization. You know, typically with with some of these programs you can see the person for the initial evaluation, but then you need to submit the documentation um and then you sort of wait and see how many visits that that they're willing to Approve, at least in those prior authorization type situations. Um, you know, we were, we were getting responses of, of covering two or three visits with with somebody who had a, a pretty substantial brain injury and associated, you know, vestibular findings with that. And it's, you know, that, that type of, of, um, service expectation is really not commensurate with the type of injury they have or any published guidelines or, or management recommendations for, Conditions you know like that, so I, I think there's just um, s- some knowledge gaps, and I think um, you know there's there's pressure within that system to be efficient and, and to manage benefits, so um, unfortunately, that often ends up working against the patient and, and the provider and stands in the way of necessary care.
1: Yes, I think that makes sense. I agree with that. Uh, we do get a good population. Of concussed patients in our clinic, and you're absolutely right. We do face the same issue. But when we're talking about large issues that affect PTs uh, regarding care of vestibular patients, so do you want, to, do you think reimbursement and referral sources are two of the largest issues? Or we also think direct access and the knowledge of a PT's role in vestibular rehab also could be an issue impacting uh, direct care of vestibular patients.
2: <laughs> um I feel like one of my students right now, I'd I'd like to pick option D or E for all of the above if if that's allowable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, <of course>. no, <laughs> I think I think the top issue you know of, of those that you that you mentioned, whether it's payment or referral sources or direct access or, or general knowledge of PT and vestibular rehab. The top issue probably depends on your your region. So I but I can see a few of these being particularly significant. So um, I might I might start with the idea of the knowledge of, of physical therapists' role in vestibular rehab. You know, many many medical providers they don't know what really great vestibular rehab, you know, guideline adherence high quality care looks like. They, they may be familiar with b p b v and oh yeah, the PTs do the Epley, you know, but the, I think they don't always appreciate the depth of our knowledge in this area related to managing, you know, for example, all the different types of BPPV, um or all of the different treatments that, that work with with that condition in, in particular. You know, many also don't know that we can help with other vestibular conditions like vestibular migraine or Meniere's disease or 3PD and and, and so many others, Um you know, I I try to generally stay pretty positive with my outlook on things, but there's the reality is there's also some lousy vestibular rehab being done out there. I think we've all heard stories of that. Um sometimes we're we're left pleading for our services to be recommended by medical providers who have seen the effects of, of bad approaches to vestibular management. And in these cases, you know, we, we, we have to mend some fences and, and double down on our efforts to describe what what really high-quality vestibular rehab um, really truly is. Um, moving past, you know, knowledge of our role, you know, I think referral sources and, and um, things related to providers are, are changing. You know, some organizations they're they're centralizing and they're integrating different lines of service, uh, which which sometimes leads to pressure for more internal referrals for various sources. Uh, I'm sorry, various services. This I've seen happen um, in um, affecting private practices or um, where we have large expanding hospital systems that are, are really trying to keep services um, in-house. You know, I, I see referrals that patients will bring in with a little space on the prescription that that actually indicates the reason for the outside referral from this organization. They're, they're really trying to prevent leakage at times, which um, for those in private practice, that's, that's kind of concerning. You know, I think related to this in some areas we're seeing uh, significant uh, expansion of scopes of practice related to rehab and and the practice environments um, for other, other professionals. I think in our state, we've seen some pretty significant movement with the athletic training profession. It was just kind of part of a nationwide push, but it's gained a lot of traction in, in many States. I think in some areas, Audiologists have be, are beginning to implement um, more more treatment when many of, of these practices were focused solely on um, testing only. So, you know, I've even heard of chiropractors and, and naturopaths who describe their treatment of vertigo and, and dizziness issues. But I think, you know, I don't. I'm not trying to paint any kind of doomsday picture here. And, and I have really great working relationships with some chiropractors and definitely athletic trainers and even audiologists in my region. But I think it is useful to know who else is out there providing similar services to what we do and what some of those organizational trends are looking like in your area. You know, the the reality is there's no shortage of patients who could benefit from vestibular rehab. Um, my hope is just that they're getting the most effective care available to them in terms of both cost and, and outcome.
1: Yeah, and I think you're right because when you mentioned substandard vestibular care, Um, I think we've all experienced or heard about it. And what can we as PTs do to advocate for the right provider to be matched with the right kind of patient? In other words, to make sure they're not seeing a provider who may not necessarily have all the tools, especially with regards to safety when working with such patients.
2: Yeah, I I think we need to be good educators and um, really hold ourselves out there as experts in this this area. You know, I think direct access is an opportunity for us here. You know, depending on what your your state's direct access provisions look like and and your experience and your confidence level, you know, we can get so many people on, on the path to feeling better as entry point providers for these conditions. Now, of course, if you're picking up on things that warrant further testing or, or additional medical management, this is the perfect opportunity to engage our, our either medical colleagues or um, teammates in audiology who have access to testing that, that many physical therapists just don't have um, available you know, at their disposal.
1: And if you were to sort of name two uh, large barriers you see that exist currently that limit therapists, from being able to promote vestibular rehabilitation or advocate for it, what would you think they are?
2: No, I I think that the two things I see being at least the most consistent are are probably time and knowing where to start. So I I think time, again, especially nowadays, um, I'm at a point in my life where just aside from all of the societal trends, I have a young family and I have a role on a faculty and in, in managing practice. So, you know, there's always these competing demands. You know, and, and I think we have so many of these demands on our time. It can be hard to take on additional initiatives or activities. Um, you know, it's important to remember that you're not alone. I think by connecting with other providers, either in your region um, or through some of our service organizations, thinking, you know, kind of about the, the vestibular rehab SIG. Um, by connecting with these other providers, we, we can divide and conquer. You know, our our vestibular SIG uh, leadership team, you know, we've, we've got this pretty big group of people who are all really passionate about these issues. They're all very busy. They're all very productive uh, individuals but i think since we are many we can focus on some of these smaller projects and and individuals can take on smaller roles if if that's all that they have the time for but then as they grow and learn they can continue to to have bigger contributions on on different types of things so i think the time piece can be manageable if you're willing to sort of take that first step as far as knowing where to start is concerned you know i i think um Individuals should feel very free in in reaching out to members of of the Vestibular Sig leadership group with any questions. Um, I think VITA has some really nice advocacy toolkits and other resources available on their website. You know, I think in in all of my professional service endeavors, I've I've learned that if you're willing to put yourself out there, uh, or just even your ideas out there, even even a little bit, there's always other people who who have either a similar experience or who are willing to grab onto the idea and and run with it alongside of you. It's just that that first step of either knowing where to start or who to reach out to can be the most challenging part.
1: Yeah, I think that what you just mentioned really resonates with uh, me and I'm sure all the listeners will is that we should be comfortable reaching out. We're all very passionate. Most providers who've taken this on as a specialty feel very special uh, special about this. They they feel that this is uh, something they're passionate about. And if they do reach out and they seek more resources, more information, spread the word, Um, and – Take it to the level where it deserves to be. That would be phenomenal. Um, I do want to say this has been very helpful because you have laid out so many resources for us. You've given us sort of a map and a methodology on how we can make a difference. And our listeners, I'm sure, are going to not only enjoy this but also learn from it. Uh, while we do know that uh, vestibular rehabilitation needs more advocating, you've given us some very insightful feedback towards taking this to the level that it deserves to be at. So we thank you for your time. This has been very helpful, and a lot of people are going to benefit from it and also enjoy it.
2: Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to to discuss some of this. I think, um, you know, as you mentioned, those of us who are in this field tend to be very passionate about these issues. Um, I'm happy to connect with anybody that, that has any questions or, um, you know, any, anything along those lines, but thank you again for this opportunity. This has been a great Absolutely. discussion.
1: It's been our pleasure. And that's very kind of you. Uh, thank you again and have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to this interview brought to you by the vestibular special interest group. For more information on this committee and the AMPT visit www neuropt.org.